So I think what we need in order to frame hospitality and engage in hospitality is actually to have a framework from the Word of God. And I know that um, it was actually really, really funny. On Wednesday night at our partners' night, um, we were talking lots about um, our theme and what God's doing. And I actually hadn't already listened to Jeff's message from two weeks ago. But I couldn't believe it when I was listening to everyone's reflections of Jeff. He used the same passage with exactly the same examples that I'd used. And I was like, oh dear, I better go back and rewrite. So I thought, at least I'm in the flow, but I needed to redo it. But I'm not going to change the scripture because I actually feel that this scripture can frame for us what we're saying. So I wanted us to look at Luke chapter 19. And I'm going to read it out of my Bible because I think it's going to be important that we start bringing our Bibles to church, even if you're using it to save a seat for someone, just so that we're actually engaging in reading Scripture from Scripture. So let's read together um, Luke 19, but I will put it up on the screen for us just this once. Uh, He entered into Jericho and was passing through and there was a man named Zacchaeus who was the chief tax collector and he was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was but he wasn't able because of the crowd since he was a short man. So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus since he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up to him and said, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down because today it is necessary for me to stay at your house. Sorry, I've got two different translations going, but lucky you're clever. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, oh, sorry. So he came down quickly and welcomed him joyfully. All who saw it began to complain, he's gone to stay with a sinful man. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Lord, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor, Lord. And if I've exhorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back um, them four times as much. Today, salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he is the son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and save the lost. Isn't that a beautiful picture of Jesus engaging in hospitality with someone? Now, Jesus' uh, hospitality looked a little bit different because he didn't own a house, so he kind of invited himself to other people's places like he did here with Zacchaeus. But what he was doing was he was intentionally placing himself in an area, in a space of someone, so that he could sit and have a meal with them. You see, if Jesus had a method of evangelism, it would be eating and drinking a meal with people who are far from God. This is hospitality. You see, being able to set something as ordinary as a table, we can create space for people who are far from God to experience the Father's warm welcome into His family. Now, what I find really interesting, particularly about that passage, is actually what's not said. Because if we actually look at in between the verses 7 to 8, we actually see it where it says, But the people were displeased, and he had gone to be a guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Verse 8, Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor Lord, and if I've cheated anyone on their taxes, I will give back to them four times as much. You see, if you give me a little bit of license here tonight, I actually think something transformative actually happened in between verse 7 and verse 8. You see, while the religious people were grumbling and talking about what Jesus was doing, Jesus was actually engaging with Zacchaeus in a way that actually was life transforming for him. 
can you imagine with me, just as we kind of sit and think about that meal that Jesus had with Zacchaeus? I would imagine that Zacchaeus used his wealth to provide the most delicious meal, the best hummus and pita bread, beautiful olives and wine. And as Jesus sat with Zacchaeus, he might have asked him about his childhood, what his family was like, what it was like going and reading the Torah when he was young. He would have asked Zacchaeus what led him to become a tax collector, all the while engaging with him with respect and dignity. And then I think Jesus must have just looked at Zacchaeus the only way that Jesus could. And Zacchaeus knew at that moment that he was sitting in front of the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus would have spoken about the forgiveness of sins and how he could live away contrary to the culture and live away of the everlasting kingdom. Now, my Bible doesn't say that, but I really do believe that something significant happened there. And what's really amazing about it is that there's the echo of John 14, where it talks about where Jesus says that I am the way, the truth and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. Zacchaeus had that moment in his life then when he was actually able to see who Jesus was and what Jesus could do for him. See, Jesus was so impacted by the discussion, the relationship that Jesus formed with him, that he was actually able to live a transformed life. Now, I don't know about you, but a lot of the time I actually really struggle to remember exactly what Jesus has done for me. I don't do it deliberately and I don't think any of us do that deliberately, but there are many times in my life where I forget that I have actually been significantly transformed like Zacchaeus was, that I was once lost and now am found. And a few months ago at um, an elders meeting, um, we were looking at our constitution um, that I'd never read before. Um, and it's a, apparently it's a regular thing we do. We look at the constitution. Who would have thought? Um, but I was really struck one day as we were reading it because um, apparently we were all supposed to read it before we come, become partners. So if that's something you want to do, I really encourage you to, I'll email it to you. But I want to read to you what our statement of faith is because I actually think that it encapsulates exactly what Jesus has done for us. And it absolutely shows us who Jesus is and what we are stepping into as followers of Christ. Now, it is a little bit long, but I promise you it's absolutely worth it. All right. We affirm our faith in Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Saviour. I cried the first time I read it too. We believe that he died for our sake and that it is only through faith in him that we can obtain salvation from the eternal punishment of sin and brought into a right relationship with God. We believe in one God who is almighty, unchanging and eternal, exercising his sovereign power in creation, providence and redemption. He is holy, gracious and merciful, existing throughout all eternity as God in three persons, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. We believe in the one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, eternally existing and of one being with the Father. This is the same Jesus that came down from heaven by the power of the Holy Spirit. He was born of a Virgin Mary and dwelt on the earth as a man. He was crucified for the sins of all mankind, suffered death and was buried. And on the third day, He was raised from the dead by the power of God. He ascended into the 
He ascended in power and glory to heaven and He is seated at the right hand of God the Father from whence He will return at the appointed time to judge the living and the dead. We believe that God through the Holy Spirit is one with the Father and the Son and convicts mankind of sin and draws into His church all who are truly repentant of their sins and accept the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We believe that the Holy Spirit is given to God's people to equip them with abilities and qualities which are for the accomplishment of His divine purpose and will in this world. We acknowledge the authority of the Bible as as the inspired Word of God for the salvation of mankind and the guidance and the edification of His people. That is the transformative life that we have stepped into that Jesus has done for us. And thank goodness Andrew Renucci and his team wrote that and we didn't have to rewrite it. (laughs) You see, McGuinness spoke that to us this morning about how we were the lost ones and that we we need Jesus and now we have the responsibility to share that with others. We have the opportunity to invite salvation to our home so that people can experience it. So how do we actually engage in hospitality? What does that actually look like for us as a church now that we recognise what Jesus has done for us, how we have been impacted and that we have been uh, experienced salvation now to open that for other people? It can be really, really difficult to kind of get our mind around this because fellowship is how we engage with one another as Christians. And I think sometimes we get a little bit confused around entertainment as well. You see, sometimes we think that entertainment is about impressing people and keeping them at arm's length. But hospitality is about opening up our heart and our home just as you are and being willing to invite Jesus into the conversation, not to stop it, but to deepen it. See, we are intentionally trying to seek out people who don't yet know Jesus and invite them to share a meal with us to have a glass of wine, if you're okay with that, or to have some water. But whatever it is, to actually engage in a conversation that doesn't take us away from Jesus, but draws us towards Him. You see, it can be really tricky to engage with people like that who are a little bit different from you and I, who might have different views politically, who might spend their money in a different way, go for a different sporting team, or just say the most inappropriate things when you're in a meeting and you're like, thank goodness I'm not sitting next to them. But if we can consciously speak to them and invite them in to us to a conversation with us, it just might be that moment that Zacchaeus had where they could meet the Son of the Living God and have that transformative life. You see, Jesus has significantly changed our own lives. So how can we not share this with others? It's not actually about having the best food or the most comfortable space. It's simply about being together and intentionally sharing some food. So how do we actually action this? What does this actually look like in our day-to-day life? I actually think it's probably going to look really different for all of us at different spaces. But what I've just tried to do is just try to put together a little bit of a guide because I sometimes think having a framework for something and then figuring out what works and what doesn't work is probably what's going to be most helpful. But we'll see how we go together, hey? So it's actually pretty straightforward if we kind of look at it this way. But what we're wanting to do is eat and drink with somebody, It's always much easier doing it with someone else, hey? So ideally, what we're talking about in hospitality is to open up your home 
And if that doesn't work, invite them into a third space. So you may not have a home or you might not have the space for doing something, but it's actually about intentionally putting aside some time and and, um, having a meal with someone. Okay, as you host the meal, so that just means while you're sitting there together and and being there, think of creative ways to express the love of God and welcome Jesus towards your guest. So I would encourage that would be stepping into that conversation, getting to know them a little bit, particularly around their ideas of faith and, and, and belief and things like that. During your time together, ask questions, listen, don't be afraid to share a meaningful conversation. At the same time, you can view small talk as a form of hospitality once we kind of get over that awkwardness and you stop talking over one another and you find that rhythm. Engage in that, step into that, lean into that. Just focus on loving them, not selling them on Jesus. And pray for your guest before, during and after your meal. Maybe do it in your head if you're going to do it in the meal. You never know, you might, you might have an opportunity to do that. But it's actually about allowing the Holy Spirit to come with you and work within you while you're having that time with someone. You see, whatever you want to see God doing in their life, pray into that. So if it's about ha- in them coming to know Jesus, then let's be praying into that before and during and after that they come with us. If it's about taking that next step to coming to church or whatever it might be for you and for them in your relationship, that's what we want to continually bring to the Father God because that is His heart. He said to us that He's come to seek and save the lost. So if His method for evangelism would be anything, it would actually be sitting and having a meal together with something. Um, The last couple of years, I've actually been um, really honoured to be a part of a bit of a hospitality-esque style of thing. And um, it started probably, I don't know, two and a half years ago, you reckon, Jolie? Don't know. So Joel is our host who's sitting up there in the back. So every the first Monday night of the month, um, there's a group of us that meet together and we have dinner. So we all take turns to cook for about 12 of us. There are some people in our, in our little dinner party that know Jesus and there's some that don't. And the whole idea kind of started um, just through one of our friends suggesting that we want to engage with people who live nearby, although I didn't live nearby them, um, to come and actually have intentional conversations. Um, I did not go the last Monday night or I think the one before that, but um, that's generally what we do the first Monday night. Now... We really try hard to intentionally to speak into one another's lives. Sometimes we do talk about the television shows that we're watching or what's happened during the week, but there is um, an intentionality around how we're speaking to one another about Jesus, drawing him into the conversations, what we've done on the weekend, what God is doing with us. Um, the girls all have a little um, text, WhatsApp text. So the first of every month where we talk about what we're thankful for and what we're praying for. And the girls that engage, some of us know Jesus and some of us don't. But it's just been this intentional way for the last couple of years to be able to actually set aside time. And for someone who doesn't like have a house to use, I have Joel's, um, where we go and we actually engage in this together because what Jesus has done for me is so significant that those around me is really important for them to see that within me. 
So that might be something that you might think about doing. It is a lot of fun and we do enjoy each other's time together. We've been away together, we've done lots of things, we've been to a wedding, someone in our group got married, so we've seen lots of wonderful things that we've actually been able to celebrate with one another and actually doing life together. It may just be about picking someone at work and intentionally asking them to have lunch for a couple of times and getting to know them. Whatever it might look like for you, you might want to use this little scaffold just around what it actually looks like for you. You see, the practice of hospitality is ordinary. It's just eating and drinking with another person, but it actually can be the catalyst to a transformed life for all of eternity. You see, Zacchaeus was someone who Jesus intentionally stood in the gap for and built a relationship with, and we saw his life totally transformed. It can be really, really challenging. And I know that we've talked lots and lots and lots about that over the last couple of weeks, that this actual um, stepping in and being active in what God is doing. But I'm a really big believer that If we step out in faith and we do what God is asking us to do, even if it's a disaster and that person doesn't want to have lunch with you again or you say the wrong thing or you stumble, that our great God is still at work because His heart is for those who don't yet know Him and He uses you and I to engage in that process. Just as I close now, I just... I don't think that we can move past this idea of hospitality without actually just saying that there might be people here tonight who don't actually yet know Jesus. You don't know His love and His kindness and His compassion. You haven't known His forgiveness of your sins. And what the beautiful thing about our Jesus is, is that He actually wants to step into relationship with you. Jesus is the son of the living God and he came to earth to die on the cross for your sin and for my sin. It says in Romans 10 that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart resulting in righteousness and one confesses with the mouth resulting in salvation. If that's you today, I really want to encourage you to maybe come and talk to someone after the end of the service and so that we can actually invite you in to what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Salvation can come to your house today just like it came to Zacchaeus's. And we would want to see that happen for you because Jesus is the best thing ever. And He is so, so kind to us and He loves us dearly. So if that's you, it's a really, really scary thing and your heart's probably pounding and don't worry, I'm not going to make you put your hand up. But just re- respond to that if that's what's happening for you. Allow, allow Jesus to speak into that and invite Him into your life. And would you pray with me now just so that we have courage and hope that we can actually step into hospitality, whatever that might look like for us, and that we actually action it quickly. We were speaking this morning around the fact that we don't want another year to pass before these things happen and before we engage in these practices, because that's what it is. It's a practice. It's something we've got to do. So I need help with it, and I'm sure that you need help with it too. And our great God is the only one that can give us the grace to be able to do these things. So let's pray. Father God, I just thank you so much for who you are and what you've done for us. And I thank you, Lord, that you came and that you sent your son, Jesus, so that he would die on the cross for our sins, so that, Lord, that salvation would come to each and every one of us. 
And I pray, Lord Jesus, for those people that are here tonight who might not yet know You. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that Your Holy Spirit would be at work there, that You would be so real to them, Lord, and that they would come to an understanding that You, the Son of God, loves them so dearly. And Lord God, I thank You that You love each and every one of us so dearly too, God, and that You have plans and purposes for us. And I pray, God, that as we engage in hospitality, as that we look to be active in that, Lord Jesus, that we would be people who are just like You, following Your example around Zacchaeus. Help us to be brave, Lord, to find the time to to move around the schedule, whatever it needs to be, Lord God, in order to have a conversation. Give us the words to say, Lord God. Give us hope that you are at work, not only in our lives and in our church, Lord God, but in the lives of those who we engage with daily who don't yet know you. We praise you, Lord, for all that you've done for us, and we commit all our ways to you. In your name, amen.